0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Hey guys, this is Ben. And I'm Karen.
2: And we want to welcome you to our first Crime and Compulsion Cult Classic episode. Yeah, we are actually here with our first cult case, Karen. It's been 30, what, 31 episodes, and we're finally doing a cult case, I guess.
1: Well, in all technicality, this is episode 41.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You always want to go for technicalities, you know that? (laughs) But we're finally doing a cult. And oh my God, my little cult heart feels so full because that's what I live for. But.
1: Well, wait until you see what I've got (laughs) planned for episode 50 then.
2: (laughs) Wait no no no! Tell me now! Tell
1: me now! No.
2: <sighs> but
1: though so oh I I will tell you something. What is that? Someone who knows a whole bunch about someone cults. who knows
2: somebody <clears throat> and then somebody knows somebody Josh, else. Josh,
1: let's start a cult. <clears throat> <clears throat> <laughs> might be joining us to do a crazy crazy fiftieth episode.
2: Okay, wow! Like literally pause the recording. You you have to tell me what we're doing because I seriously. Got to know right now.
1: No, you can wait.
2: That's not fucking fair.
1: You can wait along with everyone
0: else.
2: I'm about to start taking over our case episodes. (laughs) You know that? I'm about to start deciding what cases we do because I can't take this fucking suspense anymore. Well, I'm going to put my like cold heart aside for just a few minutes because you know what? What? We have another review to read. Oh, yeah. So I'm actually going to take this one. And this one is Rebecca Rosewood. You know, that is right.
1: Yes, that is
2: Rebecca from Thrice Curse, which if you haven't listened to her, she's fucking amazing. Thrice Curse podcast. Please go check it out.
1: Yeah, definitely check her out. She's one of my favorites.
2: She is. And apparently we're a favorite of hers because she gave us five stars. And she said, why haven't you listened yet? Karen and Ben are two of my absolute favorite
1: hosts. Oh, my heart. (laughs) (laughs) Your cold heart. (laughs) It sounds like you're saying cold heart. I know you're saying cult, but it sounds like you're saying cold.
2: I mean, both of them fit.
1: Wow. Okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thorough research and an excellent dynamic that can only come from a good marriage. (laughs) It's all a ruse. (laughs) (laughs) If you haven't listened yet, better start. You're missing out. So, fucking Christ, thank you. That's like a huge compliment coming from you. We appreciate it. Actually, coming
1: from her, yeah.
2: Oh, man. And then we also have another huge fucking shout out to to people that we don't deserve. We have new Patreons.
1: Yeah, where did y'all come from?
2: Seriously, like, we we don't fucking deserve y'all. But the least we can do is give you a shout out. So, here is Karen.
1: First, we have Jennifer.
2: Which is amazing person, by the way,
1: and then, girl, I need you to send me a message. Do I pronounce your name Ivy or Evie? It's spelled really pretty. It's e i v i and both of them are awesome. right. Regardless- like
2: seriously, both of them are fucking awesome, but we want to make sure we get it right. So send us a message, and then we'll we'll do a like a correction corner in the next episode.
1: And then you know her, Ben. We have Imogen.
2: Oh, Imogen. She's another one that's been there from the beginning.
1: From day one, yeah.
2: Seriously, she is amazing.
1: We also have Jessica. Hi, Jessica. Welcome.
2: What is up? Oh, my gosh. We can't thank you enough.
1: We also have Caitlin.
2: Oh, my gosh, Caitlin. We appreciate you so much more than you can ever imagine.
1: And last but not least, we have Christina.
2: Christina, which Karen has told me so much about you.
1: She's over in Puerto Rico.
2: She is. Hi, from the United
1: States. <laughs> guess, You're such a weirdo. I don't know. So hi, Jennifer, Ev slash Ivy, Imogen, Jessica, Caitlin, and Christina. Welcome, guys. We love y'all.
2: That's no fair. I can't do that. My, uh, my brain does not work <laughs> that well. I can't remember all of that <laughs> in one sentence.
1: And then just really quick while I have Patreons listening, we do have a couple of Tier 3 Patroni. We have a couple <laughs> of Tier 3 shirts um, coming out either tonight or tomorrow. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. Um, and then I ordered some more stickers so that I can send out a third batch of stickers We should catch
2: everybody up unless you literally subscribed within the last, I don't know,
0: two and a half to two and a half
2: to 24 hours.
1: Yeah. So this third batch will then catch up all of the stickers.
2: So As of this recording, your stickers are on the way to us so that we can get them sent out. But if you have subscribed to us in the last few days, We promise we'll message you, but let us know your address and we'll get your fucking stickers and everything else sent out to you right now. Yep. Yep.
1: I sound like, well, I feel like I sound like the guy from King of the Hill. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Because I was just like, (laughs) yep. Listen, y'all, I am sick again. I feel like I've said that way too many times this year. So my brain is not all the way there, but we're gonna power through. Okay, we're gonna get She's through. She's actually this.
2: lying. She's not sick. Her brain's just not there anymore. <laughs> I've been telling her to take some memory <laughs> drugs.
1: I she doesn't so want st- to do it. I am so sickly. I took a three-hour nap today, and I never nap.
2: Oh my god! I literally started singing the Gilligan theme song in my head. A three-hour tour. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You didn't get, like, shipwrecked, did you? No. Okay. Just want to make sure.
1: So guess what? This is yet another cash request.
2: I mean, I'm not surprised. I'm pretty sure nobody else out there is surprised.
1: Next step is not this one, but the next one is not a cash request. I just picked that one that myself. That you know of. Well, so far, it's not been requested. <laughs> I picked it myself. Hey,
2: Everybody's sending your cash request for right now. Somebody's going to request it.
1: We've gotten several requests for this one. But the husband of someone I know sent us an email like way, way back in the day and requested this one right when we started the podcast.
2: You say back in the day like it's been two years.
1: It's been almost a year. That's insane to me.
2: It's literally been like eight months.
1: But get this. What am I getting? I didn't realize this until today when I talked to him. But this happened in his hometown. And what I didn't realize is that he was actually in a juvenile detention center with the people involved in this case, and he knew one of the girls because they ran in the same circles.
2: That's pretty crazy, though. Like, we actually know somebody that was, I guess, slightly, you know, doing time with them.
1: Yeah, he uh, he messaged me to thank me for doing the case after we made a post, and we were like, do you want to take any guesses as to what case we're doing? And that's when I figured out that he was in juvie with them. And I was like, oh... I, like, must have missed that, I didn't realize. Shocking. All right. So, like Ben said, <laughs> cults. Are you guys ready to talk about vampires and cults?
2: Oh, are we talking about Twilight? No. Okay. We're, no. I'm, good. I'm, I'm tired of
1: Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really count Twilight when we talk about vampires. This case is wild to me, at least. When I think about cults and cult leaders, I certainly do not think about a 16-year-old boy from Murray, Kentucky as cult leader material. The charm and manipulation required to start a cult, my brain automatically goes to Charles Manson, Jim Jones, David Koresh. I mean, I could talk about Koresh and Waco for days. A hint, but for tonight's (laughs) case, we're not stay (laughs) tuned. We're not going to be discussing one of the most infamous cult leaders in history, we're going to talk about a literal child, a kid. Rod Farrell became the youngest person on death row after he beat the parents of his friends and fellow vampire to death. Spoiler alert.
2: Fellow vampire.
1: You're like, what is going on?
2: Dude, he he beat somebody else's parents to death? Holy shit. You've never heard this
1: case, have you? I
2: have not. This sounds fucking
1: crazy. Just a little tiny Karen PSA before we start though. Oh my god. You're like, I'm so fucking sick of these. <laughs> I just want to point out that I don't think this case has anything to do with vampires or the occult in all reality. I'm not trying to point fingers and make this into a satanic panic type thing. In my opinion, this case has absolutely everything to do with humans being evil. And I truly believe if we were to take out vampirism completely out of the equation, what happened here still would have happened.
2: Legit, that's what it's called, vampirism. I had no idea.
1: Vampirism, vampirism, I don't know. I had like a... I'll be completely honest. I I don't know how to pronounce it. Words are hard.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm super naive. I didn't... I guess I knew that was a thing, but I, I guess I didn't do the research that I should have done into that.
1: I went to high school with vampires.
2: So, I think this does give you know vampirism whatever you want to call it a bad rep because i would assume it's not about killing you know i assume just like the west memphis three this case you know like had a had a light shit on a certain part of somebody's life that had nothing to do with it you know
1: well, that's what happens anytime you have weird kids Something living that's misunderstood in the deep by the mass south, public. especially in the deep south.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like any, anything that's misunderstood by the mass public is like, oh my fucking God, they had to be, this had to be the cause of it.
1: Right. Yeah. So I just wanted to point that out. Like I am in no way trying to shit on vampires or the occult at all, but enough small talk, you guys let's dive in. Roderick Justin Farrell was born to his then 16 year old mom, Sandra Gibson, on March 28, 1980, in Murray, Kentucky. It is the 19th largest city in Kentucky. It's a southern college town, home of Murray State University. Downtown looks exactly like the sort of town I would bug you about visiting all the time, Ben. Really? The Court Square is home to a variety of specialty shops. There's cute little restaurants, bookstores, boutiques. The downtown farmer's market takes place right on the Court Square every Saturday, May through October.
2: Sounds awesome.
1: Murray was named the friendliest small town in America by Rand McNally and USA Today. Which made me think of Aiken being voted the South's right? best small town by Southern Living Magazine.
2: Right? Now I'm wondering, like, what is fucking Aiken hiding?
1: <laughs> well, we know what Aiken's hiding. The Macon. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was today. Sorry. <laughs> right? Wasn't Aiken's Macon today? That
2: was today.
1: Sandra married Rod's father, Rick Farrell, not long after Rod was born but their relationship was far from stable because they were fucking teenagers and their marriage, which was rocky from the get go. Didn't last very long.
2: I, they were teenagers.
1: Yeah. Like, I mean, I know that there's people that meet in high school and they're high school sweethearts and then, you know, they get married and they have stable relationships, but this just did not have the foundation. I don't care for that.
2: how mature you are. Like having a kid, At 16 years old is going to put some of the best people through like the toughest years of their lives.
1: I think having a child at any age, (laughs) I mean, you don't get to fucking sleep. Like you don't sleep ever again.
2: But like you could be the nicest fucking person in high school, throw a kid in the mix. And it's like, yeah, like you don't recognize that person anymore.
1: I mean, within weeks of them getting married, Rick packed up and left. And within a year, they were divorced. Rick Farrell, who, like I said, was also a teenager when Rod was born, abandoned him and his mother and joined the military and was never a part of his life again. As you can imagine, Rod did not have an easy life growing up. Sandra and Rod did not have a stable home life at all. She's been described as being a mentally ill parent, She couldn't keep a job for more than a few weeks at a time. She was also involved in sex work, which I think everyone knows by now how I feel about that. I don't see anything wrong with it at all. So I'm not pointing that out to say that she was a bad mother. I'm just saying it because it's in her background. If she had worked as a dentist or elementary school teacher, I would say that too. You will never hear me judge a woman or anyone else for being a sex worker.
2: Right, I think it's like you said, like everybody knows you. you're not you're not judging anybody. All you have to do is present the facts, and these are the facts that were given in this case, you know?
1: Sandra and Rod bounced back and forth between living with Sandra's parents and public housing. And later, this is really sad. Rod even claimed that his maternal grandfather, Harold Gibson, Sexually abused him when he was only around five years old. Jesus. According to. Yeah. According to federal court records. But no criminal charges were ever pursued. And, you know, if it is true, I'm assuming, um, what is it called?
2: Statute of limitations.
1: Yeah. Because it's like, what, five or seven years, depending on the state, sometimes less.
2: Yeah. It's pretty much fucking bullshit that states have to have a statute of limitations on rape.
1: Oh, I agree wholeheartedly.
2: Like there's no statute of limitations on fucking murder, but there's a, like you can only, you know, come after this person after so many years or before so many years for fucking raping you like bullshit.
1: Agreed. And regardless of whether or not that is true, Rod was exposed to the occult from the time he was teeny tiny. Sandra was super into the occult and vampires and that is no secret. But Rod has made claims that through his grandfather and a group called the Black Mask, that he was exposed to rituals, including the human sacrifice of a woman.
2: That's some pretty heavy fucking accusations. Right. Damn.
1: He also claimed that he was sexually abused not only by Harold Gibson, but that he was also gang raped by Harold's friends during rituals of this satanic cult. Harold Gibson obviously denied that he or his friends molested Rod or participated in cult activity. Gibson has said that Rod told fantastic stories and lived in a teenage dream world. As I said earlier, it is no secret that Sandra was interested in the occult. Sandra introduced Rod to vampires and the macabre from a young age they bonded over Dracula films and vampire the masquerade for any of you guys that are not familiar with that game. It's a role playing game. So think dungeons and dragons. I know that doesn't help you any Ben.
2: Actually, I at least know what that is.
1: I feel like I've talked about D and D enough that
2: Oh, you've told me (laughs) a lot about your adventures in it. Honestly, I kind of miss that. I didn't play that as a kid. You know,
1: it was a lot of fun,
2: right? Like I'm a big enough nerd that I should have fucking known about that.
1: Oh, I feel like you would have enjoyed it.
2: Yo, D&D session. At house. <laughs> We're about to throw down like three weeks from now. Let's go.
1: In Vampire the Masquerade, you have this fictionalized gothic slash punk type of world and players assume the role of a vampire the game uses the cursed vampiric condition as a backdrop to explore themes of morality, depravity, the human condition, or the appreciation of the human condition in its absence, salvation, and personal horror. This game sounds right up my alley.
2: 100%. I'm surprised you haven't played this.
1: I'm going to order this from Google the second we get off the phone.
2: Can we do D&D first, though?
1: Oh, we can do both. <laughs> cool. Vampires in the game have a humanity score, measuring how closely they are in touch with their human nature. Bad or immoral actions lower that humanity score. If the score drops to zero, then the vampire is left in a state of constant frenzy, and shit hits the fan. And don't get me wrong, I don't think there's anything wrong with sharing your love for the spooky and the horror genre with your kids. But I am a firm believer that things need to be age-appropriate. There is a huge difference between watching, say, Friday the 13th or Halloween, and the Nightmare Before Christmas with your seven-year-old. Very big difference. But I digress. Anyway, through this game, Rod started getting into this vampire world, and so did his friends. They were all very much so into this. And I see nothing wrong with it. Like... This feels age appropriate to me. This feels like like typical normal high school shit, right?
2: I mean, yeah. I don't give a shit what you're into. Throw yourself into something, right?
1: An older friend of Rod's, Stephen Jaden Murphy, told the Orlando Sentinel. Is it Sentinel or Sentinel? Sentinel. Sentinel. There we go. Words are hard, y'all. Jaden said that he sired Rod and crossed him over as a vampire in a ritual which involved the drinking of blood. The two of them in Kentucky, so we're going to keep jumping back and forth between Kentucky and Florida. So this happened in Kentucky. They met back in September of 1995 at Callaway County High School. The ritual to turn into a vampire involved the two of them cutting themselves and then drinking each other's blood. So Jaden is who sired Rod. Rod and Jaden had similar similar
2: Sim-ma-ler.
1: interests in music and style of dress, and obviously everything vampire related. Tondra Gibson, meanwhile, sent some seriously intense letters to Jaden's 14-year-old brother, according to the Sentinel, saying she would be his bride for eternity as part of the vampire family. She was even charged with solicitation to commit rape. And solicitation to commit sodomy because of this letter incident
2: because he was 14 years old
1: wow. yes so if that tells you anything about the kind of parental guidance that Rod had at home Wow at some point after that Rod started telling his friends and other kids that he was a 500 year old vampire named Visago these kids consider themselves to be a part of the same vampire clan they would hang out and they would take part in rituals. And as I said earlier, Sandra and Rod moved back and forth between Murray and Eustis, Florida, after Sandra's parents acquired a home in the area around 1990. So he was doing a lot of moving around back and forth. And unfortunately, Rod didn't really have a great deal of parental guidance from Sandra. His home life was unstable, she didn't set any boundaries from him. He was out at all hours of the night, like chilling and hanging out in cemeteries with his buddies, you know, just doing vampire stuff with his vampire friends.
2: Chilling, right? Yeah. Is that what you said? Chilling?
1: Yeah. Chilling. And Sandra was just pretty hands off. She was like, Oh, you were at the cemetery at one o'clock in the morning. Cool. Cool. (laughs) As
2: long as you go to school
1: tomorrow. But then that's the thing. He didn't really care about school either. His teachers described him as hostile confrontational argumentative he didn't really listen to authority figures he skipped school if that's what he felt like doing he was always smoking which I mean I didn't smoke but I went to school with a bunch of kids that smoked but we can't use that as a litmus test for character
2: we're talking about pot here right yes okay just just for clarification
1: but unfortunately he wasn't just smoking. It wasn't just a little bit of pot here and there. Rod got heavy into all drugs. He was messing around with heroin, PCP, whatever else he could get his hands on. I feel like PCP's pretty scary stuff. I'm not very educated on it, but
2: I mean they call it fucking angel dust. Like there's a lot of drugs I wouldn't try. With something with the nickname angel dust i'm i'm pretty sure i'm gonna stay the fuck away from it
1: the angel dust doesn't sound scary to me what sounds scary
2: to you black tar heroine
1: yes that sounds I mean, scary to scary me too angel Dust sounds like i'm gonna get a warm hug from an angel
2: yeah you fucking hippie ass self
1: <laughs> while living in eustace rod became friends with a girl named heather wendorf by the way, I love her last name.
2: Yeah, that's awesome.
1: It makes me think of Gossip Girl.
2: Wouldn't
1: fucking know. You're Sorry. like, I have no clue. Heather was described as a troubled Eustace High sophomore who rebelled against her parents over cleaning her room and other trivial matters. And speaking of trivial matters, I'm going to read you a little bit of what my friend's husband had to say about Heather. So Matt said, They didn't like her change of attitude, her appearance, her music, and I'm sure some of the people she was hanging out with. Nobody's parents did really, but I know she resented them for that. Her mom was pretty controlling over her more so than her dad, I believe. I remember her telling me about an argument with her mom over her dyeing her hair. I think red, but like a dark red. It wasn't even the whole head, but kind of thick sections from top down one on either side, maybe two. But she told me one day, as we were all at the park, that her mom flipped out because obviously the hair color, but I think she stained a sink with the dye, like punky color or manic panic type of dye. She said her mom said she looked like a young slut or a whore, something to that effect. She wished she lived in a town where more people were like her. Orlando was about 30 minutes south, she was always wanting to go visit the goth scene there, but I don't think she did. Lake County, Florida is a lot like Aiken County. A few good-sized towns and a lot of small rural towns. Lots of farmland, lots of rednecks, and I mean rednecks. So yeah, goth wasn't a very accepted style and was often associated with devil worship by others. So, I mean, trivial matters. like You're arguing with your kid about Their choice in music and friends and hair color.
2: Yeah, like it literally could just it could be seen as like just normal teenager stuff, you know.
1: I was gonna say any anyone who went through a rebellious stage as a teenager can probably understand what was going on there. I think.
2: Hundred percent. Hey, guys we wanted to talk to y'all about this amazing jewelry company we recently found, Ana Luisa Jewelry. That's A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A. Right now, you can go treat yourself and get 10% off by going to shop.analuisa.com slash crime. Or you can simply go to analuisa.com and use our special promo code crime to get 10% off.
1: When I came across their website, I absolutely fell in love with several pieces, and I just knew I had to have them. I found these tiny, dainty gold and pearl hoop earrings. They are so minimal and easy to wear. I get compliments on them all the time. I also got this beautifully layered necklace set. It comes with a horn and a pendant, and it is perfect for spooky season. But my favorite piece is the super delicate sky blue topaz necklace. It is simple, yet elegant. It really is perfect in every way. It is my go-to everyday necklace, and I literally only take it off to shower and sleep. The shipping was ridiculously fast, and the packaging was simple, yet beautiful, and not at all wasteful, made from 100% recycled paper.
2: Their prices are super affordable, with jewelry starting at only $39. And on top of that, you can get 10% off by going to shop.analuisa.com slash crime. And again, that's A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A. Ana Luisa is conscious luxury where you can find the most stunning carbon-neutral jewelry that doesn't come at the earth's expense. Everything is made in limited batches with new jewelry collections released every Friday.
1: Go to shop.analuisa.com slash crime. That is A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A. And treat yourself and your loved ones with an additional 10% off. I absolutely 100% recommend them. They are a great brand, making beautiful and sustainable jewelry. We'll post the link below in the show notes.
0: With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Heather was originally a straight-A student. She was a petite blonde with wide-set brown eyes. Yet, she entered a rebellious stage, and she had been heard to wish her parents off the face of the planet. After Rod moved back to Kentucky for 10th grade, he would call Heather collect, running up expensive phone bills until her parents put a stop to it, making her very angry, according to her sister.
2: None of that, like, call me after 10 when my minutes are free kind of stuff?
1: It was nine.
2: Right? You remember that shit?
1: (laughs) Yeah, call me after nine. Or you would three-way people to trick them. Oh,
2: my God. Yo, stop it. (laughs) (laughs) We're telling our secrets now. We're telling our age, too.
1: Y'all, I called my 10-year-old when he was at his dad's the other day. He put you on three-way
2: with his friend? Yes. He
1: put me on a three-way call with his best buddy. And for like 10, 15 minutes of the call, I was like, oh, you guys are hanging out. How cool. And then he's like, no, mom. Like, you're just in the same call. (laughs) I was like, oh, I remember this.
2: I was like, why am I here now?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, back in Murray... Rod began recruiting followers for his vampire clan. Among them was 16-year-old Howard Scott Anderson, who came from grinding poverty with an alcoholic father who abused his mother. So, great childhoods all around. Rod's behavior became increasingly unhinged as time went on. In October of 1996, he allegedly broke into the Murray-Calloway County Animal Shelter, gruesomely killing two puppies. Oh
2: fuck. Are you serious?
1: Allegedly. According to the book, The Vampire Killers, Rod was later arrested on charges of burglary, trespassing, and cruelty to animals. They didn't really have enough to really keep him. So then they just, they had to let him go. But Rod felt like they were trying to pin this on him and he always claimed that it wasn't him both jaden and rod left school when they were 16 they dropped out both were unemployed and really had no career prospects or any concrete plans for their future there was this guy on reddit that did a did an ama a few years ago i like stumbled upon it and So according to him, he was a part of Jaden's vampire family. And he had some really interesting stuff to say about this case. Unfortunately, I can't verify whether any of it is true or not. So I'm not going to bring any of it here. But if you're interested in reading what he had to say, I'm sure a quick Google search would turn it up.
2: Interesting.
1: Yeah. Again, I digress. Sorry, y'all. Anyway, around that time is when Rod started having issues with Jaden's vampire coven, clan, family. I'm not sure which word vampires prefer. I've heard all of them used interchangeably. If you're a vampire, let me know. The rules of Jaden's vampire family, I'm going to go with family, were very clear. They had to put their family above everything else. They had to remain loyal. These kids were super into their beliefs. Rod said that he hated his life and often fantasized about death. But also, he felt like he belonged when he was with the group. And he opened up to Jaden about a lot of things. There was this one night that he went on a walk with Jaden and some of the other kids. And apparently this is something that they would do. They would go on walks. They would talk about the things that were going on in each other's lives. The things that were bothering them and hurting them. And they would like talk through these things and try to help each other out.
2: I mean, that sounds like a fucking family to me.
1: I feel like that's better than what a lot of typical sixteen-year-old boys have yeah. in their friends.
2: So you can come up with the best fucking like insult for the other person, right? <laughs> that's what most sixteen-year-old
1: relationships are. And as they were on this walk, they came across a kitten. And trigger warning for animal abuse. Rod picks up this kitten and they continue walking and the kitten is purring at first, but then something must have spooked the kitten because it stopped purring and, you know, like arched up his back and became uncomfortable. I would assume because then it scratched Rod. And as soon as the kitten scratched him, Rod turned it on its back and flung it against the tree, killing it.
2: Fuck that man. You know how hard you have to fucking throw a cat? Kill it.
1: We have a kitten and she does all kinds of martial arts and I have never seen her even come close to getting hurt.
2: You just said she does all kinds of martial arts?
1: Yeah. Like in the air. (laughs) (laughs) What?
2: She does. literally all i hear is
1: kung fu fighting
2: (laughs) 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 but no like that's that's fucked up man like eh, i couldn't imagine how hard you have to throw a cat like kill it just by just by throwing it you know like that's insane
1: Mm -hmm. yeah don't don't do that Jaden said that he was shocked by this which like no shit sherlock i would have been like what the fuck And he was already concerned with Rod's obsessive behavior and drug-taking, so he began to distance himself from Rod. Rod was a self-proclaimed antichrist, according to the Embrace, A True Vampire Story by Aphrodite Jones, and he just wanted to do pure evil. And the other kids in this vampire family were just not about that life. As more and more time went on, Jaden said... he started getting even more concerned about Rod because he seemed to be going down a much darker path. He then began challenging Jaden in role plays and acted like he was the leader of the family. The pair ended up having an actual physical fight shortly after this and Jaden vanished Rod from the family. Rod later told police that he was tired of being a blood doll And he wanted to lead his own family. He managed to recruit some members, which included Howard Scott Anderson, who would often be described as Rod's right-hand man. So that was the kid that we talked about earlier that had the miserable upbringing and the really unstable family life. Right. By Rod's very own account, he had become unhinged and out of control at this point in his life. And... This is when, allegedly, in October of 1996, Rod, Scott, and some of the other members broke into the animal shelter, where they allegedly tortured the animals and killed the puppies. So the police suspected Ron and Scott Anderson right away, and they were both questioned over the incident. He was, like I said, arrested on the charges of burglary, trespassing, and cruelty to animals. The police said, now listen to this, that they were using the blood from the puppies for some sort of satanic ritual to initiate new members. The police believed that the vampire clan that Rod and Scott Anderson had been connected to had at least 30 members, and they were panicking over this. <laughs> so my question to the police, though, is if these kids think that they're vampires and Their rituals include drinking each other's blood to sire one another. Why would they need to drink puppy blood? I'm not saying that they didn't kill the puppies, that they didn't break into this animal shelter. I'm just saying this sounds a lot like satanic panic from the police's end of things.
2: I mean, with with good reason, though. You know, like, this is not what the normal people in that time period were up to. So whenever you have any sort of ritual, no matter if it's satanic or, or vampire regarding any sort of, you know, being of life, like it's obviously going to be like, like people are going to latch onto it, especially if they're below the Mason Dixon line, you know?
1: I just think that Satanic Panic is... Oh,
2: it's fucking huge, and oh my God, it...
1: I think it's stupid. Oh,
2: it plays way too big a part in a lot of cases than it should.
1: When it usually shouldn't, like it shouldn't have any bearing on the case. Now, some notable members of Rod's vampire family, these are the key players in this case. So there is Howard Scott Anderson, who was Rod's age at this time, they were both 16. Dana Cooper, who was 19, and 16-year-old Charity Keese. Or it might be Kiss Kissy, but I think it's Keys, And she just happened to be Rod's girlfriend slash fiance.
2: Wait, slash fiance at 16 years old?
1: Well, he described her as his fiance. She was also pregnant at the time. Um I just don't think that neither of those two had any business saying they were engaged. Just six weeks after the animal shelter break-in, Rod decided that he was fed up with the police being on his back, and he wanted to go on a road trip to see some friends, including Heather Wendorf. So we're back to Heather. Rod claims that he told Dana and Charity, and I've seen other sources refer to her as Shay, And then, in his confession, he also calls her Shay. Anyway, they just wanted to get out of Murray for a while, right?
2: Way better fucking name. What, Shay? Yeah.
1: That is pretty. I'd much
2: rather go by Shay. Just my choice, though. For anybody. Uh, (laughs) Heather (laughs) Heather went by Zoe. Oh, really?
1: Yeah, she went by Zoe. And I'm like, well, where did that one come from? Because... Anyway, at this point... Rod now, all I'm sa- thinking
2: of is like Zoe 101. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Super weird tension. But also, it relates Free Britney.
1: There you go. <laughs> At this point, Rod says that there was no premeditation. There was no plans of what was going to happen. Other than they were going to drive to Florida. They were going to pick up Heather. And then they were all going to head to New Orleans. Where according to Rod, there were many vampires walking around freely without prejudice Drinking blood and just living it up in grand lifestyles.
2: I mean, I've watched a lot of documentaries where, like, I mean, we all know voodoo and stuff like that is huge in fucking New Orleans. So that makes sense.
1: New Orleans is fun. I had a lot of fun when I visited New Orleans.
2: Yeah, I I don't want to hear about it. I also ate a
1: lot
0: of
2: food.
1: (laughs) My favorite part of New Orleans was the food. food. (laughs) I ate so
2: much food in New Orleans.
1: I miss it. I love it and I miss it.
2: Nolan's.
1: So like I said earlier, Charity was pregnant. So according to Dana, she came along out of concern for her friend's pregnancy. Now, Heather wanted to run away from home. A home which she'd previously described to friends, especially to Rod, as hell. According to phone records, Heather and Rod had spent a lot of time on the phone together before her parents put a stop to it. Heather had said at some point that she had been several different demons in several past lives. She had scared her non-occult friends by telling them that she drank blood and called up spirits of the dead. So as you can see, Heather Wendorf sounds just like Rod's kind of gal. I've seen several sources list her as a previous girlfriend from when he lived in Eustis. Several other sources. Just call her a friend. Regardless of. You know what their romantic history was. At 15 years old. Rod was especially taken with Heather. Now remember I told you earlier. That she was a straight A student right. Right. At the time that this road trip took place. Her grades had already slipped. She wasn't doing that well. She was arguing with her parents. A whole bunch. Oh. This has nothing to do with the case. I just thought it was a weird little nugget of information. Heather's grandfather was Billy Graham's attorney. What? Like the, the super famous evangelist.
2: Yeah, I know who Billy Graham is, Karen.
1: So I just think that the fact that- I live he- in
2: South Carolina know who Billy Graham is.
1: Okay. So I just think that the fact that Heather Wendorf is who she is- and then the fact that her grandfather was Billy Graham's all attorney. All kind of turns
2: in this fucking case, man. <laughs>
1: I'm like, oh. All well, kind of terms. A- <laughs> and, We're and throwing
2: it- <laughs> out every religion in this case right now.
1: Um, so this is gonna bring us to November twenty fifth, nineteen ninety six. Which is like right around time for Thanksgiving.
2: Are you of course you brought up food again. <laughs>
1: And Thanksgiving, I can't wait to make my rosemary lamb.
2: Oh my god!
1: So, November twenty fifth, nineteen ninety six, Rod dropped a tin strip of acid.
2: That sounds like a lot.
1: It's essentially. I've
2: never done acid. That sounds like a lot. You're the expert. Is that a lot of acid?
1: I am not. You're a the expert. Is that a expert?
2: Expert. <laughs> lot of acid? I
1: mean, I'm trying to talk. If you would let me.
2: Sorry, I'm on a tin strip of
1: acid. <laughs> A 10 strip of acid is essentially 10 hits of LSD blotter paper in strip form. Now, I am not a psychedelics expert, unlike what Ben just told you. But in my unprofessional opinion, (laughs) that is a heroic dose of LSD. To me, 10 hits of acid, I mean, that's just a really high dose and it's just reckless. And that's coming from someone that feels like LSD isn't like other drugs because it can really be a teacher above all else if you let it. And I mean, sometimes in order to learn, you have to learn a hard lesson. And sometimes that means crying in fetal position. And this, what Rod is doing, like dropping 10 hits, like to me, that just... It ain't it, all right? And that's all I have to say about it.
2: And you definitely don't sound like an expert on it at all.
1: I am not a psychedelics expert at all. Y'all don't let Ben lie to you.
2: But don't take 10 hits of acid.
1: Or, I mean, if that's your thing, d- do your thing. Just Build don't...
2: do your tolerance, though. So.
1: <laughs> just don't murder people.
2: That, that, that's, a, that's a good point, too. I, mean. I think that's a, a great life... Just, like, life lesson, life rule in general.
1: Just don't Just, murder people. Do whatever you want to do. Just
2: don't kill anybody doing it.
1: It is unclear whether the others dropped any acid or if other drugs were involved. So, he drops 10 hits of acid, and then they start driving to Florida. When the group reached Eustace, Florida, they went to Heather's house first. And she met them outside... Not, like, directly outside her house. She, like, walked a little ways, like, down the road from the house. Then she got in the car, and Rod and Scott got out and started walking up the road towards her house. Heather, Dana, and Charity decided to drive to Janine LeClaire's house while Rod and Scott stayed behind. And you're like, who the fuck is Janine? You just introduced this new person. Apparently... There was also another girl that was supposed to be involved in this whole thing. Her name was Janine LeClaire. And this is information I found on Rod's confession transcript. So that's really all I found on it. She had been a girlfriend slash love interest of Rod when he lived in Florida. And this girl was supposed to go on this New Orleans vampire trip with them. But she changed her mind last minute.
2: Thank fucking God.
1: And she told Rod to come back for her in a couple of years.
2: (laughs) A long couple of years.
1: I'm sure now that this (laughs) girl, like, wakes up every morning.
2: Thank fucking God I did not go on that trip. Yes. Like, that was the greatest life decision I've ever made.
1: Right. Like, her life could have gone very differently. So right off the bat, to me, this is a bizarre timeline of events. The girls drive off and the two boys stay behind. Rod later claimed that he and Scott were going to Heather's house because she told them that she'd left the doors unlocked and the plan was for them to steal the keys to her parents' car because apparently the car that they were in had started acting up on the way to Florida. Now... Heather later claimed to have no idea about what was about to happen to her poor parents. And she has said that she had no part in what happened. I will let you guys decide what you think. I'll present the facts and maybe we'll talk about what I think about Heather later. Maybe not. We'll see.
2: Maybe. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Shut the fuck up.
2: I know you already got your, like your opinion typed out. So let's go.
1: I found several versions of events There's this book called Real Vampires, Night Stalkers, and Creatures from the Dark Side. According to that source, Rod took Heather to a cemetery before they came back to the house. At the cemetery, Heather drank Rod's blood. He drank his. I'm sorry, I fucked that up. He drank hers. Yes, thank you. Thus, turning Heather into a vampire. And this, according to this book, is when Heather Wendorf allegedly begged... Rod Farrell, to kill her parents. Now, Heather's story differs from that.
2: Surprise. I mean,
1: let's say
2: that is true. That's what I would tell people.
1: (laughs) Of course. According to Heather, I mean, she sticks with the story that Rod was supposed to go into her house and take her father's Ford Explorer keys so they could steal it for their trip to New Orleans. At some point at this night, like 9, 9.30, Rod and Scott, they get to Heather's house. They walk around and look in the windows to see where the parents are located. Then they enter through the garage, which according to Rod, Heather had left the garage door open for them. Once inside the garage, he found a crowbar. Rod later said that at that moment, all he was thinking about was getting some weapons, food, and cash.
2: Some weapons.
1: Rod and Scott then walked into the house. 42-year-old Richard Wendorf was asleep on the couch. Rod then walked over to the couch and began hitting Mr. Wendorf with a crowbar until he stopped breathing. Rod later said that it took Mr. Wendorf more than 20 minutes to die.
2: Fucking Christ.
1: With Rod just standing over him, beating him with a crowbar the entire time. I mean, his face, Mr. Wendorf's face, was unrecognizable.
2: There's fucking rage behind that.
1: Also, I have never met anyone tripping balls on LSD that behaved like violently like this. But again, I'm not a psychedelics expert at all. At all, I'm not. Rod then picked up Mr. Wendorf's body, looking for his wallet. And at some point during this, a single V was burned into Mr. Wendorf's chest. That was Rod's sign, because his five hundred year old vampire name. No, for Visago. I mean, it could be for a vampire. I just assume it was for a Visago.
2: Tell me this shit wasn't fucking premeditated.
1: And then that was also his sign. Like, he would mark his members with that. While this all was happening, Heather's mother, Ruth Wendorf, was in the shower. Like, she had no idea what the fuck was happening in her home. God Anderson was described by Rod as a lost puppy who just followed him around and seemed to be in shock at the murder scene. Rod said that Scott didn't take part in the murders, but that he did go through the house with Rod looking for things to steal. Rod later claimed that he did not intend to kill Mrs. Wendorf, but the two of them were suddenly surprised by her coming out of the kitchen, holding a steaming cup of coffee after her shower.
2: Oh, dude. Oh my God. I can't even imagine the fucking thought behind her. Like literally just coming out of the kitchen. Like, Getting ready for bed, you know,
1: and then seeing these Jesus. two fuckers in her house.
2: Oh my god! Also, she sounds like you getting ready for bed with a fucking cup of coffee.
1: <laughs> Literally me. She yelled at Rod and asked him what he wanted, and she threw the coffee at him, which angered it, him. Good for her. Right? I would have frozen. I think. <laughs> I, I don't think I would have the wherewithal to Let it
2: go. What? You said frozen. Sorry.
1: Oh, okay. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? I got it now. I, that went over my head.
2: Which I've never even seen the whole movie, and you have, so.
1: We used to sing that song like, multiple times a day in this house.
2: Yeah, I know. Moving and on, moving on.
1: So after she threw the coffee at him, she then lunged herself at him and started attacking him and scratched him on the face.
2: Dude, even more good for her. Hell yeah.
1: Again, you like, know... She's a
2: badass.
1: Yeah, I just... I, literally, I would have frozen in fear.
2: <laughs> Probably would have done the same.
1: I would have stood there like, like, what uh, the who
2: fuck? Who the fuck are you?
1: Yeah. In return, Rod took one end of the crowbar and started bashing her in the head and in the face. Like like stabbing motions with the crowbar. Jesus. And I mean, he didn't just hit her once or twice. He did the shit continuously. Rod said, I was actually going to let her live, but after she lunged at me, I just took the bottom of the crowbar and kept stabbing it through her skull, and whenever she fell down, I just continually beat her until I saw her brains falling on the floor, because that pissed me off. I just don't feel like his response <laughs> to her response Go hand in hand.
2: Again, tell me that shit ain't premeditated. Like, all of that was fucking planned.
1: Oh, is what I'm, I'm gathering. Oh, I mean, 100%. I, I believe that Rod knew from the second he left Kentucky and headed to Eustace that he was going to murder the Wendorbs.
2: I mean, the only person that truly knows is him, but... <laughs> Being as someone that's studied a lot of, you know, cases like this. Yeah, it it 100% sounds like this was his plan. This was his plan from the beginning. And,
1: you know, those
2: poor fucking parents, man. That's all I got to say.
1: Whether or not Heather Wendorf was involved, whether she knew. We'll talk about that um, on part two. Because we still have like an entire more hour worth of content for you guys. If you didn't know,
2: this is a two parter. (laughs) If you didn't tell by the title.
1: (laughs) yes. So it is a, it is a two parter. um, So we're still going to talk about, you know, what happens, um, how Mr. And Mrs. Wendorf were found. uh, What Rod Scott, uh, Charity, Dana and Heather did after the murders, the arrests. We're going to, we have a lot to cover still.
2: Aaron's got a lot of shit to break down for us.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I keep trying to not do two-parters. I keep trying to condense everything to just one episode, and I can't.
2: Honestly, I'm okay with two-parters. I like knowing as much as possible about a case. I think our listeners do, too.
1: Um, after part two, we're actually going to do another deep dive though. Kind of like we did for Michelle and Dave. No Oh
2: shit. Are you serious?
1: Mm -hmm. What? I'm not going to tell you what the case is yet.
2: (laughs) Surprise. But Uh. we are
1: going to do another deep dive. Um, I'm thinking based on the case, anywhere from four to six episodes. Oh my
2: God. Please let it be. Don't let it be as bad as fucking Shelly Notec, man. I can't handle another bitch like her.
1: It's a really dark, bad I mean awful I, case. I'm sorry. We uh, we are it, true it crime. We don't be. cover we <laughs> don't cover anything that gives the warm and fuzzies. Like, it kinda
2: has to be, I guess, if we're gonna go into four episodes, but yeah. Dude, and Shelly Notec was roof. Yeah, you have not listened to it, please. Like go go listen to it. Or Karen don't. does a it's great fucking shitty. job. Or do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and also speaking of deep dives, um, our Patreons, patronos's Patroni,
2: Patroni,
1: they voted between two cases um, for a deep dive series.
2: And they voted before shit got fucking crazy too.
1: They did. The,
2: like, like for real. <laughs>
1: And they voted, um, it was between Chris Watts and the Murda Murders. And like Ben said, it's before things really hit the fan too. And they still picked the Murda Murda Murders. Yeah. So starting this month, um, I believe next week, we will have the first Murda Murders episode. But
2: who knows how long that's going to fucking last because shit is still unfolding right now.
1: Right. So my plan for right now is... To cover it in September, then we'll take a small break to do a Halloween-themed case. And then <laughs> November, December, <laughs> at, you know, the very minimum will still be murder murder cases. We'll
2: skip over my, like, creepy laugh there.
1: uh ha ha! one.
2: Oh, my God. Okay, <laughs> never mind. Skip over it. <laughs> Fucking Christ. But, yes. So, we're going to go, like, Halloween spooky-themed for... October and then right back into our cases for October
1: and then for this month for Patreon Ben has. Wait,
2: I said October, didn't I? Yeah, I meant for November.
1: It's all October. It's, it's, it's just, either
2: October or pre-October it's or pre-October, or post-October.
1: October. post-October. Um, Holy October for December. Holy October for December. Really? <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? There's Turkey Halloween.
2: There's Turkey <laughs> October. I don't know. Uh,
1: so yeah, for this month, Ben has um another a Florida case for yeah, you guys. We're
2: like going all Florida cases,
1: and it's also it also involves essentially a child, uh, another fetus. Another fetus committing murders, which is insane <sighs> okay, to me.
2: Hold on. <laughs> 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 okay, they're past the age of 15. Let's 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 just make that clear. First I think of all,
1: anyone like 20 and under is a literal fetus. Bro. Yeah,
2: but just so everybody's I'm clear. <laughs> I'm old. They're past the age of what, sixteen? They're they're past the age of sixteen.
1: Yeah. So um so that'll be on Patreon. So if you guys, um, you know, you can sign up for as little as a dollar a month on Patreon, uh, you get stickers. You also get um, Patreon members on tier three, get a really awesome like Patreon exclusive shirt. And you can find Patreon at
2: Patreon.com slash Crime and Compulsion.
1: You can also find us on Facebook.
2: Crime and Compulsion.
1: You can find us on Instagram.
2: Crime and Compulsion podcast.
1: You can find us on Twitter.
2: At Crown Compulsion.
1: You can email us.
2: Podcast at CrimeAndCompulsion.com.
1: And we also have a really awesome website.
2: CrimeAndCompulsion.com. And that's it. That's all of our socials.
1: We're not cool enough for like Snapchat or TikTok. I almost said TikTok. (laughs)
2: Like the candy. Showing our age there. Yeah. (laughs) All right, guys. Until next time.
1: And remember, don't be a cut kid.